Hello, say hello to the morons, just like you know he said in uh, what Rocket said in in, um, in yeah, Avengers right. Endgame. You know, so we'll we'll start we'll start whenever uh, whenever the team edge starts. But I had Audacity popped up, so it's just like a train wreck this time. Sorry, everybody. Uh, we'll try to be more professional later. But this has been a cavalcade of terrible things I've gone wrong for me tonight. Uh, I also haven't even updated the logo in the middle, so I'm gonna do that, and then um, why don't you guys? We'll start the the actual like audio podcast in like like five seconds after I stop talking. Well, welcome guys, and welcome to another episode of Carbonite Bounty BS with me and the nerd. So, uh, hope everybody's having a good week so far. Um, definitely a, a nice start to season four here. So, you know, it's funny we're over the halfway point. You know, it's kind of like the seventh inning stretch almost. You know, we're getting there. So, uh, hope everybody's having a good week. But before we get started and everything, uh, we have a lot of exciting things going on on our channel across all platforms. So, DP, why don't you let everybody know where to find us? Nerdsidecopedia.com, people. Make sure that you go into our site um, and checking out all our platforms and following us on at Nerdsidecopedia on Twitter, Facebook, and also on Instagram. Make sure that you are, when you are on our website, Nerdsidecopedia.com, um, you are tagging us. And also make sure that you're sharing the site. Make sure that you are listening to us and downloading our podcast on all over Stitcher, all over uh, Spotify, all over um, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, we are there. Leave us some feedback too. Nurse at nursecyclopedia.com. Go on Facebook. Join our Facebook group, Carbonite Bounty BS. We got a really good, you know, Facebook group on there, and we're leaving memes and you know, comment on shows and everything that you know is Star Wars related. We love it. Um, just make sure that you're there. Appreciate that. Thank you again, DP. So, uh, you know, guys, like I said, one through eight, season four, we're over the halfway point. So, uh, leading into this, you know, well, why don't we start with our man hits? What are your first impressions of this season? This so season far? is such a, an interesting topography of Star Wars, the Clone Wars for me, because it had the first, the first episode so far where I literally said no. And I basically like had to stop for a while <laughs> because I just can't deal with these with the, with this this you know going to a you know this, this they want to recreate that droids cartoon series you know what I mean they want to recreate the Ewok moment and they just do this shtick for twenty minutes and and honestly it almost made me want to stop watching the next episode and so I almost missed that really great fight between Anakin and Dooku because I almost just skipped it because I was just so frustrated um, that was kind of a low point for me I also felt a lot of self hate because. For the first time ever, I found myself thinking, thank God Jar Jar Binks was there. And and it made me feel a certain kind of way. And and honestly, you're, you're guy. my guy, Jar Jar Binks, I, I found myself uh, with a dearth of hatred for him this time. And <laughs> and I know that's weird because I, I am filled with such a, a large, large amount of, uh, of hatred in general uh, for Jar Jar Binks. Um, <clears throat> I want to say this: the the darkness on uh, Umbar episode was a real just highlight for me for the entire series so far. Uh, maybe my very favorite one. I watched it on the biggest screen in my house, and I felt like I was in a theater for literally the whole thing. What excellent storytelling! What excellent animation and, and design! Uh, man, I, I just so impressive, and it's so weird that they can't like string, you know what I mean? It's not a strung together list, like perfect, right? The Calamari series starts off, you know, and, and we'll talk about that, but man, yeah. I am excited for the next set of episodes because we sort of, we sort of ended on a cliffhanger this set and uh, we don't usually do that. So it's a little bit disorienting, 
but I can't wait for the next set. I'm excited to see how this this Umbara uh, storyline ends, man. Uh, it's it's man. If you have not watched any episodes of this show, I would probably say catch season four, episode seven. Definitely, definitely. What about you, DP? Oh man. Um. So I'm a, I'm a little bit like you know Hitch when that first episode is when you go underwater. I think that's where it just. Um, it, it, it just, it sort of like ends it with me, <laughs> you know, um, I'm not a big Aquaman fan. So, you know, <laughs> when, when they go into, I, 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 it was a DC movie. I like DC characters and, you know, seeing that movie actually be made was a triumph in, in that instance. But as a character himself, knowing that we're going to go underwater is it's not, it's not my bag. So the, the movie was just okay with me. So watching this episode, you know, the first, you know, couple episodes with the underwater stuff going on, it was it was a thing where I was checked out. Um, I will have to say this batch of episodes wasn't wasn't really that great to me. You know, I thought, you know, the one through six was uh, one through seven. Um, it was just I, I'm sorry, one through six, because the Umbrella episode was yeah. seven. Right. Um, yeah. So one through six was just it, it was just a you know sleeper for me. As soon as it got to the Umbra episode, like Hitch was saying, yes, that that's that's what I wanted to see. That was the visuals of that episode was like excellent. And Krell, oh my God, <laughs> Krell was he was just such a um, you know, if we're keeping it clean, a D, yeah. Yeah. you know, he was just such a, a A, you know, H. <laughs> um, I mean, it was just a great thing to see that, you know, he was um, just going against like Rex and, you know, calling him by his um, his 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 um, code name and everything, you know, instead of actually calling him Rex and Fives and everything. Um, it was just just the, the development of that character quickly for you to actually hate him or, you know, to to to, and, you know, just just feel some sort of way again, you know, with him. And he may have been right with his decisions in battle because the, um, you know, uh, LB one and them, they needed them to, to the five and one to succeed really quickly. And that's what he was there to do, push them. Um, and to see him be the sort of antagonist to what, you know, Anakin was, you know, to, for those soldiers and stuff was just a stark comparison because they love Anakin and knowing Anakin is going to be, you know, Darth Vader down the line. It's just crazy. You know, they, they love Anakin and, you know, really liked him as a leader and stuff and just see Krell just be so cold to these clones, you know, true. I mean, yeah, these, um, you know, clone troopers and everything. It was just crazy. I love it. I love the last two. Yeah. What about you, Ken? Well, I'm sort of uh, in between like what, uh, you know, uh, Hitch and uh, DP were kind of uh, echoing. I, these weren't my favorite. Um, I'm not a, uh, like uh, DP was saying, I'm not a big underwater fan, things that take place underwater. I sort of uh, really checked out once Anakin uh, ignited his lightsaber underwater. <laughs> I thought that there was, a, that's, that's a huge, how did that happen? You know, and then the, the laser, the battles, the laser battles underwater. I mean, even if you said, uh, so this is science fiction and we're going to say that uh, light projectiles underwater will maintain speed um, across a distance of, say, 50 meters, uh, it's still a bunch of BS. And I completely didn't like any of that. I did like uh, the the battle between Dooku and Anakin. I mean, that conflict is getting real. Um, I also like the the Gungans taking down Grievous. I mean, that was, that was pretty awesome too, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so 
there, there were some highs. Uh, there were a lot of lows for me. Um, I liked seeing the Mon Calamari, that race kind of develop. The, the Quarren also pretty cool. Give, again, developing characters that we're going to see in um, uh, Revenge of the Sith. You know, just Jedi uh, characters, uh, where, what their backgrounds were. We're going to see Kit Fisto. We saw Kit Fisto in this. It was very uh, engaging. So <clears throat> it had moments, but I sure hope that the next set of episodes go somewhere else. Like, just let's get back to let's get back to what we were doing yeah. uh, with with the clones. There was a little bit in there. The clone troopers. I want to see more of that. <laughs> more, you know, trying to you know the the uh, the Republic trying to attack the Trade Federation where they can. I want to see a little more of Sidious and back to that back to that storyline. This arc as we call it because we're also educated uh this arc story arc it just really fell flat to me um i said the underwater stuff and the and and you know science fiction is science fiction i get it we can do whatever we want but um uh i uh i didn't i didn't buy it uh but i'm glad everyone came through in the end and i'm glad prince whatever the hell his name is <laughs> uh, it's charlie is except it's, it's backwards it's just charlie Except yeah. backward, Lee Char. Yeah. That's it. But, it's so but stupid. He he his people and you know whatever. He has like so, like hippie that, that, beard, like bead, like beard beads. Like what's going on with that too? I need to yeah. What is me. what is all this on his head? He's got these things. Ooh, about in. about the design. Got yeah. the Pirates of the Caribbean Easter egg there. Right there. Yeah. 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 He had that going <laughs> on, didn't he? I thought it was great that they made. I did think it was great they made, managed to make Jaws the villain. Essentially, they were just like, "What if we gave Jaws an army of robots too?" And I feel I'm, like from that angle, I'm okay with it because that was pretty rad. Uh, he was just biting, yeah. biting people left and right. And you know, here's to your to your uh, point about the scientific accuracy of lasers and water. As some of us may be aware, a certain scientist by the name of uh, Isaac Newton discovered that water refracts or bends light, which means lasers should bend. And that would have been rad, right? They right. gone, like, the lasers would have been going all over the place. The lightsaber would have been doing this. Worked, be doing and then the shark would have been the ultimate technology. And in, and in the ocean, the shark is the ultimate technology. That's why they stopped evolving 60 million years ago. So there you have it. Right. But look, but they want to stay yeah. scientifically accurate because when Anakin has to, when they have to use the force to push the bubble around away from Padme, right? It's really, really hard. And you're thinking to yourself, why is that? But when you realize they're in underwater water pressure is really intense so it would take a humongous amount of strength to push all the water away from that because it would be so much pressure so they were accurate there yep but water bends light and there's lasers. <laughs> there's lasers all over the place <laughs> and they're trying to be accurate shooting these lasers like i said from 50 to 100 meters no you're not it's not happening. It's just yeah. Let's 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 leave the water water um you know party. Alone. I mean, one one thing <laughs> I did appreciate about this batch of episodes was the body count was like absurdly high, and you saw like just the just the results of this battle. Uh, because of Krell, I mean, he yeah. was just like you know because of his orders, he was just you know it, it didn't yeah mm -hmm. left and right. <laughs> well, look like here's the thing like the the Clone Wars are a civil war, and if you think about the American Civil War after like 1863. The pace of everything picked up and bodies were getting ground down into nothing because they sort of moved into this pseudo trench warfare, almost like World War One. So the technology changed and so did the war. And that happens in every war. I mean, if you look at the armies in 1939 versus 1945 or 1914 versus 1918, they're very, very different by the end of the conflict. And what's happening is, you know, 
they're all getting ground down. Everybody's dying. Like everybody that's fighting this, we have gun guns dying. We have we see Mon Calamari die by the score. We see Corin die by the score. The only thing, the only people we didn't see die were those pygmies, right? That was pretty much it. They got through pretty okay, so good for them. They just had an earthquake, right? And that's like, but you got to take, you got to count your blessings, I guess. So the body count is stacking up here in the at the midpoint, and we're just we're just here. So like the worst of the war is yet to come, and we are just feeling the weight of this of this um attrition as it as it takes the humanity from the jedi and man oh man i i understand why the clones were okay with sort of order 66 at this point right except who who do they stay loving who do they stay they never ever betray anakin even when he's darth vader he's still hanging out with them like in 20 years later so wow it always worse at the end because just like just like poker, the last hands, it's all in. So they put all the troops in and it becomes a trench warfare. Infantry, uh, right on top of infantry, a lot of death. You're going to have a lot of dying. And that's where that's where we're at. That's where we're getting at. The beginning, the, the end of the Clone Wars. It's just massacres because the, the generals are putting everybody in in big clumps and they're just wiping each other out. But why? Why the attrition? And, and this is why all the episodes from last season that showcased Palpatine, like that, that, that shot they did where they zoomed in on him thinking for like literally three seconds sells all of this to me totally because he's taking Anakin away from them and giving them a Jedi who's awful, who's going to make them hate the Jedi, who's going to make them yep. never trust the Jedi again because the Jedi waste their lives. And let's also point this out. The Je- these, these 501st troopers that have developed personality and fought with the Jedi over and over have developed a closeness to them. They've developed a bond, and that's going to be harder to break. And I think Palpatine knows that. And so he's grinding them out in a very gross meat grinder. He's getting them rid of, he's getting rid of the veterans to let the new bodies take their place. And these new Jedi know that to win, they have to just shove their men forward, and that's just how it is. But if you're a clone... I mean, that shortens your lifespan by almost six months. So you can't have that. So is yeah. that the reason why he pretty much takes um, Anakin off the, the board and puts Krell in? I mean, well, I mean, what what do, you, what do you think about that, um, Mitch? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I'm kind of there with uh, Hitch as well. So Mitch and Hitch. <laughs> that's a future, future show, future show. But, uh, we only no, talk I mean, about kind episode of a... eight every week. It's the only thing we talk about. <laughs> yeah i mean it's just it's it's weird to see how it's kind of playing out and to kind of piggyback on everybody's thoughts on these episodes it was it, i mean we don't want to say it but i guess this is our first point of saying these to me felt like filler episodes i think they could have done a lot more with the eight i mean they could have did two underwater but seeing how oh, this is playing out um I, I do like the development of the characters. I I see everything like you know, like we're talking about a chessboard. I see the pieces coming together now. I can see what they're doing with Anakin. And the crazy thing is, you know, with this turmoil going on, the Jedi at this point are blind. It's like they don't have their sense of the Force to feel to see into the future because Yoda is just you know sending troops in. And the crazy thing is, like we're saying, we're, they're sending younglings out there. I mean, they threw Ahsoka to, uh, you know, a Jedi Knight that has never had a Padawan and said, hey, I need you to train this girl. And also she's going to be part of the battle. I mean, she's front line with Anakin and Obi-Wan. So it shows desperation on the Jedi Council's point. And it's kind of like at this point, 
were they too lax? I mean, you know, and we'll get into this maybe other other uh, shows, but you know, what are the other factions of the Jedi? This seems to me like these are all infantry warriors. Where are the people who were looked at as detectives? You know, the different means of just a Jedi Council. So at this point, they're stretched. I mean, you can see. I mean, you know, Palpatine is sitting in the chair just laughing at them all, literally pulling strings, and the Jedi are running around sacrificing their pawns, their pieces, their their clones are falling left and right. Um, we're seeing the Gungans and, and just all these people that were part of the Republic to fight, you know, what would be the Empire later on. It's just a, a, a giant sacrifice, and it seems pointless, you know, that they can't see this or stop it. It's, it's something about the way Yoda talks about how he sees the future and how it changes and how it's in motion that makes me think about Palpatine's plan here. And I, and I think about trying to explain to myself in the year 2010, today, history, right? We have the pandemic, the whole Trump-like experience, the whole thing, right? Like try, just trying to get that across and could I do it in two minutes? And the answer is no. And it's because time moves in one direction for us. We don't see the future. We, we can see the past, but only in memory. And... What I'm, what I'm getting with this is that if you want if a Sith Empire started and there was mass death and destruction, it would be if you were seeing like a a mountain of suffering in the distance, you'd be able to see it from afar, right? Unless of course right. there's a way way bigger mountain in front of it, and then you can't see it. And what this is, and what this yeah. is selling to me more than anything else, and I know I'm being the hype man for these episodes because I like them more than Ken for the first time and that we've watched anything. <laughs> I had a better time watching these. But but you can see how that mass death, which they're showing us now, it's not just robots, it's not just clones. It's these sentient creatures that are dying. This is blinding the Jedi, like you're saying, Mitch. They cannot see the future. They can't see what's right in front of them. And that is that, you know, it's because they sort of started this. They're the ones that are going into it. So how could they be leading the Republic into destruction. It would take a real chess master to get you there. And man. But it, it's always clouded. The future is always clouded. Yoda could never see anything. It was always some, it was a cloud. It was, a, oh, the Sith this, the Sith that. So this is, that's not a new thing. It's not a new idea. I don't think the Jedi really have much clairvoyant ability to see anything. I think they are in the now. I think they can react quickly, but I don't think they know what's coming down the road, you know, especially not with Sidious playing both sides of the field, clouding everybody else's judgment with the, with the dark side. I mean, I think that, uh, I think that the, I, in this case, in this storyline, in this arc, I think the dark side is the winner. I mean, I think they are really, you know, they've got the best people. They've got the best technology, the best court system. And the the Republic and the the, uh, the light side of the Force is sort of fading. It's sort of a faint little puff of magic. Uh, and I think the dark side is the true power here. And I think it's being wielded properly. I think the weapon is being used properly, and the people have the proper training to use it. I don't. I think the light side is a little bit nah, off in you, this. You know what? You know what really makes me watching these episodes and then even tying this in to even the latest sequel trilogy? Um, it really goes to show, really, and it's sad to say how bad of a, you know, uh, Master Jedi or, you know, that obviously Master Yoda was. I mean, think about it if you break these episodes down, what we watch, what we're talking about, to even his eventual death at the end. This all started because he made the, Je the Jedi linear in one way. 
as Qui-Gon was more viewed as a gray Jedi because he had sense of thought, love, and he wanted Obi-Wan and he wanted Anakin in the future to be able to have those emotions. This all goes back to one thing. And in the one episode, which is why I tell you guys it was the best part of it. When we talked about the wills and then the three wills that we met, their books are the books that the Jedi had in which he said that the Jedi don't believe in this place anymore. Well, there were Jedi pre this era that believed in the wills that read the journal, of the wills as well, which later on we find out were books. And as you learn with Ray, even, you know, they were shut off of that part of the force. Why? I'll never know if, if they felt that it might make too many Jedi unstable or not being able to see, but until they really harness the belief of the wills and really harness, you know, the other side of the force as Luke did at the end, you can see really how the Jedi kind of went the wrong way in the wrong direction. And they literally became military soldiers at one point. I mean, at this clone war, they're soldiers. They're not really Jedis or defenders of the peace as we once thought. So it really opens my eyes to really how bad the council was ran, um, you know, going into everything. Were they the books that were in the cave that Yoda that, that burned up? They were alluded to him, yeah, but it's not it's not confirmed. I mean, he says, like, you know, those old books, but, you know, as Tom will know in the expanded universe or legend, <laughs> they are, they're, they're, they're known as they're known as the Book of the Wills, but and they don't officially say it. It was like kind of like an Easter egg. Okay. I wonder because the original like the Star Killers was the original book, like the title for the original yeah. book, Star Killers, uh, Book of the Wills. Like that was what A New Hope or Star Wars was supposed to be called. Right. When it, it went to print, they just called it Star Wars. Yeah, and I, I think Lucas that. did that just to, because he wanted it to really allude to the, the, the past, where it all came from. But uh, I think he got an idea that it like might be too confusing. So Star Wars is Wars Among the Stars. So he wanted to make it a very open-ended story because he wasn't really sure where he was going to go with but the original was star killers book of the wills so i wonder where if that's in there in the in the lore in the expanded universe vibe um, somewhere that verbiage the wills were a big part of the force he just for whatever reason uh and he's interviewed I, there's interviews on the internet if you dig for him he wanted to go with the idea of the wills they wanted to do that in the prequels there's a couple interviews you have to find and dig for him, but there's a reason why he didn't go that. I don't think he thought he thought it was too risky. This is what early two thousands, one, two, three, I believe, right? Two thousand two. Yeah. At the time, yeah. At the time right. these, yeah. At the time these came out, I don't think he thought it would be a hit. So he kind of went with that idea, but they went with the midichlorian idea rather than Boo. the wills and how the force is balanced. So Boo. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or M count, as we say, yeah. What is that? The M it's over nine thousand. Oh, yeah. ah! <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do Dragon Ball yeah, Z yeah. all day over here. Yeah. You you guys didn't prefer the Minichlority? Yeah. It doesn't make sense because it's like it's like look if if the sport if the force is essentially VD, like is that like cool? And the answer is no. And also, having a real physical, measurable like quality about it means that it's something that you could like inject into someone, right? I mean, if it, you could just get harvest a bunch of midichlorians from people and shove them all in one person and it would boost it up. Those sort of mechanisms are appropriate in certain science fiction. I thought, uh, like T. Mitch was saying, that uh, this sort of like a, a mythical, sort of whimsical, sort of ethereal Star Wars is better, but I, I know mileage will vary on that. But for me, midichlorians were a big like, 
a big wet fart, but I, Hey, everybody's going to have a different, a different view. Well, I thought the midichlorians, I mean, the idea is everybody has them. You have them. I have them. T Mitch has them. DP has a ton of them. Right. So it just depends. People have, you could have more or less. If you have more, then you have more attuneness to the force, to other things, right? So everyone has them. It's not necessarily you have to like inject it into somebody. We all have it. Just some people have more than others. And yeah, Anakin I, had way more he than had, uh, Yeah, I, I remember that line of dialogue. Qui-Gon Jinn was talking about how, you know, yes. people had midichlorians and, you know, how how um, Anakin's was just super high and he wanted to take a, a the sample and just investigate that and everything you know um to see why it's like you know minichlorian count was just so high so i do remember that line yeah uh, he said that into a lady shick because that's what they use for that prop that he talked into it's actually a lady shick if you look at it it's kind of hilarious <laughs> uh anyway anyway that's my there's my my new production knowledge that obviously doesn't help anybody uh man if you t- <laughs> How does Krell become a Jedi? I mean, okay, is is <laughs> that's that's it, the the way the way I mean, just to, you know, not to interrupt you, no, you no, know, no, no, please, 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 but 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 Krell, I mean, he he's he's I, I, I he's a fascinating character to me, um, because he's a trope character of you know of an importance in you know in a, in a battle scenario where a troop you know a, a general commander you know just comes in just does a whole 180 on what the other commander you know did anakin you know um and commands his troops in a different type of way where the the i, I just love the whole like you know narrative about you know troops obeying their orders and questioning their general's orders but they're still orders coming from you know, they're still orders. They still have to abide by them and obey them and everything. And the clone troopers are made to obey orders. So when, uh, was it Rex or um, the Fives just actually questioning, do they really, I think Fives was talking to Rex, talk about, do you really believe what he's saying? Or is that just something that was programmed into you, something like that? Um, I thought that was really like, you know, really great character development for, uh, you know, these clone troopers again because they it's just it's just all about them this whole series anyway um but for them to you know have so much pushback and to actually go in a different way from what Quirrell wanted them to do it it was just it was just my it was a really good thing for those last two episodes for me to see to keep me engaged something happened <laughs> you know uh, dan dan carlin who's a really uh he's a famous history podcaster and again the venn diagram is such that if you know us you know him uh he he says that there's a certain line at which soldiers just won't follow orders if you order them to certain death at a certain point they're just gonna go no they'll just stop doing it and that seems to be what, what krell is is sort of uh getting out of the clones which is hard to do i mean they really have a high tolerance for casualties for sure and that's bred into them right they're okay yeah. it's sort of okay with the risk uh, of of doing the job it's interesting to, that the jedi are portrayed as like chess players you know and, and and if you think about it if i win a chess game do i care how many pawns i have left at the end or does it not matter it doesn't matter right so if i play a game that's why, that's why they're pawns they, they they're the first ones to go exactly so the the question is what is the dignity of a clone and it, it is an interesting philosophical question uh, obviously for anakin the clones have a lot of dignity and he's very attached 
to them. And for Krell, obviously, he's willing to sacrifice them. He sees them as pieces in a larger game. Uh, the question is, who is right and who is wrong? And, uh, you know, if Krell's actually right about the things he has to do, and if he needs to press the frontal assault to draw more attention away from what Obi-Wan's doing, it could matter that he's actually having them suffer these casualties in a pinning move. But, I mean, it's only human to want to live, right? So you understand what the clones are doing and saying. Right. Yeah, yeah. The clones, I mean, they're brothers. You know, they're pretty much, you know, you know. You Identical know, triplets, um, essentially. Feeling, a billion right. times over. Exactly. <laughs> so they care about one another. And their question is, do they need to sacrifice so many troops to in order to accomplish the uh, particular goal? They want to do it a different way to um, secure more troops. I mean, to, um, you know, save more troops and everything, which is fine. But the general sees a whole overall you know, um, thing, we need to get this done and get it done quickly. Mm -hmm. So I don't care how many troops I need to sacrifice, <laughs> you know, we need to just get this done. And um, the, 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 the trooper, the clone troopers was like, okay, um, well, Anakin is out in the field with us and everything. So we, we, he has our respect like that. Krell is just like on the mountaintop, just overlooking everything. And, you know, he doesn't have that, that, that respect and stuff, but he's still a general. You gotta, you gotta obey his orders, right? Yep. You know. So, it, 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 at the episodes did ask that a really good question um, um, with Anakin's um, um, general style versus commanding style versus um, Krell. Those those shots where he's walking, he turns his back on them and walks away, and you give, and they let that shot linger for a couple seconds, and they turn <laughs> the camera around, and you see all the clones staring bullets into his back. You know, you can tell that they, you can tell how pissed off they are, even though they're in their identical, you know, their helmets with their, with their differentiating paint, but you can tell how pissed off they are at this guy. And man, does that ever start ringing a bell and saying, get ready for some stuff that we saw in 2005 that is coming up for these guys in their reality. I mean, it is foreshadowing with a capital F and, and that is, you know, exactly what a show like this that is fixing, filling in the gaps that we missed that's what it's supposed to do is drop those breadcrumbs to land the punch of episode three the way it should have landed when they actually would have had this series have been made in the middle, right? If it had been produced in the order in which it is exists. So Oh yeah. If if this was produced like um in the middle and actually had time to breathe, yeah, episode three probably would have landed. It would have been it would have probably done like double the, the well, box, box office. Well box office nothing, dude. I am I am so like it's almost like, you know, you know, um you know the Grover book, there's a monster at the end of the book. You guys know what I'm talking about. It's a Sesame Street thing. It's a cute thing for kids. And you flip the page and Grover's telling okay. you, okay, Grover's telling you at the end of the book, there's a monster. Don't turn the page. And you turn the page. And then he's like, why did you do that? There's a monster at the end of the book. I'm going somewhere. Where are I'm going we? somewhere with this. So you turn the page and he's like, you're crazy. Why are you doing that? There's a monster. And at the end of the month and at the end, it's Grover. Right. And you knew it was there the whole time. Cause it's a Grover book, right? He's on the cover. So, Episode three is the monster at the end of the book. We know it's going to happen, but we're terrified of it the whole time. It's excellent. That's a great analogy. That's right. Yeah. And that's why we should go to break scene because I yeah. did a good one. And with yeah. that, <laughs> with that, we have a pre-cut commercial to insert. So that's a uh, that's going to happen. BRP. <laughs> Two and two. Back. Uh, I'm sorry. I just I'm the one that did the bump. Why'd I do that? That's isn't my show. Teammates, you gotta. Uh, I'm sorry. No, we're good. We're good. No, you, we we led the bump. So, you know, 
you know, without further ado, we're going to head to our intermission here, and we'll be right back, guys. Do and do. So it's your boy DP. Make sure that you guys are sticking around. At the end of this episode, we will be interviewing Marvin Wynn, the creator of the Edge Comics. His comic is currently on Comixology, so make sure that you guys are checking that out. And um, just stick around for the interview. We got some good stuff to talk about, you know, what he's doing and, you know, how he created the Edge and what the future of the Edge will be. So make sure you guys check it out. Stay tuned. And we're back, guys, after the intermission. So, um, yeah, you know, as we were discussing previously, and I have a really, really, really good question to pass to the team, as well as something we can ask everybody who's out there listening and watching us live on Facebook. I mean, what we're discussing about how the clones, you know, kind of feel and how they're starting to question how things are, it makes me tend to believe when Order Order 66 really happens, how much of it really is the thought or the execution order or how much is is it kind of angst towards the jedi at this point because as we get to that end it's almost like a hatred like you know what i'm just tired of this like let's just let's just end them like you know I, to me it's starting to feel like it's not only an order but it's kind of like you know them banding together be like i'm done with the jedi it's like you know kind of like betrayal and it's not even just sidious i think it's just you know they see their brothers die we've seen it earlier it's kind of like a compound thing they're just sick of it they've had enough I, I totally agree. I think we say, I think when order 66 is initiated, they're like, yes, finally. I mean, it's just a, it's just a relief because they were just waiting for it. They were all thinking, man, I want to clobber these guys. We're just done with this. All of a sudden order 66. Now we can, Oh, it's cool now. Because I think the moment where a soldier starts to question their orders is when it becomes personal, Mm -hmm. when something that they're told to do, affects them in a way that's that's personal because up until that point if you're telling me i need to go and complete this mission and yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take some some folks out you know i'm gonna kill some people all right but then all of a sudden if i know who those people are or if it's a child if it's an innocent and that happens to strike a chord with me you've you've just deactivated the soldier in me you've just turned it off you know so i think order 66 was that moment and I think they were all appreciative of it. I think they all were like, finally, now we can we can we can make ourselves feel better. You know, we can stop feeling guilty for all of this. That's pretty bleak. Uh, you know, I I I I have been watching these episodes in in eight episode chunks like you guys. And if I were had no idea what was going to happen, I would be shocked by episode, by order 66 when it happens it would shock me to the core that that the clones could could do that but this would be the first thing i would look back and go well there was there was crowd there was you know there was episode seven uh it's the first inkling of that and it's interesting because you know i'm thinking to myself as we watch the you know we watch the clone wars move on what have we seen bureaucratically well we spent all this time talking about the order of new clones from last season right it wasn't just this it was like a lot of the action in the senate was about this order and it makes you wonder when was the order 66 piece baked into these clones was it done before do all the clones have that or is it something that only the newer ones do and we have to cycle them through the process right because why else would you have have to have this increased attrition why wouldn't you do like anakin does right 
And this episode, this, these episodes are designed to make us think why somebody would be stupid and waste their resources, right? Why would you do it? There has to be a reason. And for Palpatine, this master strategist, to send a a general who is has been given this enormous responsibility, mostly because they are grinding out the clones and destroying the resources of the Separatists at the same time, that's an effective way to win a war where you have a resource advantage. It really is. That's essentially what the North did in the Civil War. It's really what they did. They said, we're going to strangle horde you, and then we're just going to produce so much stuff you won't be able to beat us. Uh, Palpatine's such an interesting puppet master that I might be giving him more credit than he's due. But, <laughs> but he's it all guy. fits together so well that this new batch of clones you know, is a lot less well interested in in you know it doesn't have as much like free will even or is more inured to order 66 but it's almost like palpatine knows if there's going to be surprise survivors that are going to lead his troopers they have to hate the jedi too and he's letting them all get a taste of you know what self-righteousness is like when it comes with arrogance too which was this during when they were learning as as small clones when they're staring at the screens i think one bit of code probably went by order 66 destroy the jedi and it moved on right that's when it would have to have been injected mm -hmm. into their psyche as what where else would they have done it where else would it would it have come from they're not going to like get a document or an email to pop <laughs> their helmet well, there's a memo. There's Order 66. You're going to hear about this at some point in the future. And at that point, you're going to turn around and destroy the Jedi that you've been uh, sort of helping, working with, partnering with. You know, all of a sudden that's broken and now you're going to you're going to kill them. So I think it's been injected into their training when they were just small little clone clonettes, you know. It's interesting that we feel we feel about the, the droids in this show a lot of what, times the way that that Krell feels about the clones. They're expendable. Who cares, right? I mean, when was the last time you thought about what it was like to get cut in half as a super battle droid? Who Nobody thinks, nobody has any empathy for them. And so it's interesting for us to see, you know, they've almost had to interject different types of conflict because having all these battle droids walk straight forward and get mowed down by the clones just isn't interesting. So they almost have to interject these new ways to to keep the story going. But for them to come right back to this sort of like, I mean, everything about these last episodes was so good. The shadow people, all of them looking the same, the, the helmets breaking, the weapons were excellent, the sound was excellent, the design was excellent. And honestly, this is what Star Wars is to me, is these, these sorts of spectacle battles, but where there's another message that you need to pay attention to underneath the surface. And really, it's just good writing, bottom line. And that's something that, frankly, after, you know, if you told me in 2012 there was good writing for Star Wars going on, I'd have said, where? Because I wouldn't have been aware of it, and um, <laughs> it was here as right. It was on Cartoon Network, and I was watching a lot of it back then. Because that's where like Adult Swim was, you know, back in the day. Oh, so this is where it is uh, aired on a cartoon. I was wondering. I had to go it around it, on. man. Okay. I was watching that stuff all the time, yeah. and I did. Like it's so, man, it's so wild. I, I swear, I really feel like I missed it, out now looking back on it. It was in between other shows, like <laughs> it was in between main shows, like maybe like on MTV. It was in between like a video 
like video rock videos. It was then there'd be Clone Wars, and then they'd move on to something else. So you literally it was like a commercial break. People would just get up and leave. <laughs> <laughs> While all this good content was coming on and everything, right. you guys just get okay. This is not what I need to be listening or right. watching. <laughs> right, I thought it was like a Hardy's commercial or something <laughs> on Silvers, and we get up and walk away, and come back, and the, the videos would be playing right. again. So that's I, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, you had to look on the interweb to see which <laughs> episodes were going to be on. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like it is now, where you just know, you know, it's on, it's on, it's on, you know, whenever, like Monday night at eight or whatever. It was like mm-hmm. it was interspersed um, in between the other I programming. Have a, on, I have on, a good authority that if like you unplugged your cable box too, like you wouldn't have a guide for like an hour and a half or whatever. I have it on good authority. I don't know where I got that info from. Really? Yeah, that's what I heard. What I heard. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when it came out because uh, this was when Cartoon Network was, believe it or not, surging. So they had Toonami on. Um, and this mm. is when the Clone Wars came out. I think Star Wars was trying to capitalize. This is when uh, Dragon Ball Z was, I mean, it's still good, but this is when it was at its height. I believe that's when that Namek saga happened with the Super Saiyan. That's when they did, so, that's when when they did BBZ, all... like uh, the reissue where they Correct. used the, because um, yeah. they had like a bad voice cast for the first 23 episodes. And then I don't, I don't, I know this is a Star Wars podcast, but then they recast it, and now you have the voices you would recognize. And then they had to re-record it all, and that was that was happening in twenty in right. twenty ten. You're absolutely correct. Right. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a big DBZ fan, so maybe that might be something later. That could be Hitch and Mitch. We could be taught. We could do a watch through a DBZ. It'll be. It'll take forever. It will literally four hundred episodes. I think we're at. Oh my! I don't have. I don't have it in me. We'll have to do the highlights. Right. But um, yeah, it's kind of weird because as you're saying, and I remember the show being on, like Ken said, I came on at like, I want to say like a seven o'clock time slot. And with these episodes, the problem with this show was Cartoon Network's the king, king of like cross promoting. It would come on, a commercial would come on, it would catch my attention. And, you know, it's just at the time it never caught my eye. It was an animated show. I kind of flash in and see it and be like, eh, yeah, no, flick it off. And then Never really got into it just because of all the content they had. They had Adult Swim coming out in the evening in a couple hours at that 7 o'clock hour. It was just maybe it was a time slot. And maybe, like I said, at that point, everybody's kind of checked out in Star Wars. We were there. We were kind of in the in the air. You know, we finished up with everything and hoping years and years later that we would get something else until, you know, the final you know sequel trilogy came out. But it was a point to where, you know, you were just kind of reading books and, you know, Star Wars wasn't as, you know, people seen it as cool as it is now again or as popular. Well, animation, too, wasn't as, res- well, it was respected in a way. I mean, it took it took a while to build up to a point where you could actually look at something like this, what we're seeing right now. It's a lot right. of adult content, you know, as far as like what we're watching with these episodes and everything. But back then you're looking, OK, this is just a cartoon. This is it. And, yeah, you know? and you're right. This is groundbreaking for for especially American animation because at the point, at the height of animation has always been Japan. You know, the, yeah. the Asian, yeah. Korea, Korea. So you know, you know, European and even Asian, you know, animation was at its highest. This is really, you know, not the first, obviously, with stuff we had, but really the first kind of like outside of Batman animated series, a really high end. Mm animated series that was out for you know an american company to produce so you know star wars kind of went on a limb because this was something that was wasn't popular 
It didn't fly off the bat, but I mean, it gained wind. It, 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 I mean, watching these episodes now, it wasn't blatantly trying to sell you a toy, which is what animation was. You know, 22 minutes, you know, they're pretty much selling you a toy, you know, um, for you to go out and buy it for a kid to buy it. These episodes are not trying to sell you any toy. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're a Star Wars fan, you're pretty much, you know, in it to win it anyway. But this, this, these episodes are not trying to, like, you know, get you to buy a product. You know, it just basically just keeping you into like the Star Wars, um, you know, uh, mythology and everything. It's really deep because like even things like the Y-Wing is brand new and they're all excited about the Y-Wing bomber. And then we see the Y-Wing is being hopelessly antiquated as soon as like, it, that's like the first thing, the first like plane we see be like a terrible plane is the Y-Wing, right? And it's, it's interesting to see, to see that sort of stuff develop. Um, I, I'm really, I'm really interested to see like exactly how how much they're willing to grind down the clones right like how much are they gonna grate the jedi against them man i'm, I'm just stoked about about where this show is going and uh when it came out i think i was just so tired of star wars at that point because they had pitched they had just shoved so much of it in our faces and to to, Ken, to ken's point there was a clone wars series before this series that came out in 2005 it's on disney plus now that you should check out it has the original appearance of general grievous in it that was the big thing that they uh, pushed for for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. So uh, definitely check that out. It's really good, fun. That was that two D anime. Oh yeah, show? man! You get to see all the cool oh, stuff, okay. and like Anakin still has his mm. braid, and you know it's a uh, some uh, really cool stuff. Yeah, I watched a couple episodes of that, and I wasn't really interested. Eh, it's all right. But that was all the Star Wars there was. You have to remember there wasn't like any of this other stuff. It's all sort of come out of out of whole cloth, and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 really interesting. I can't believe that I had this big of a hole in my Star Wars like knowledge that I didn't see any of this, and it's it's really eye opening. Honestly, it's cool. Yeah, and then, and then you know, kind of closing out the show here, guys. I mean, you know, obviously this wasn't the the greatest of starts to a season. I mean, I thought you know the other three definitely kicked off with a bigger bang, but uh, I, I definitely think these next uh, we'll call it we'll we'll go eight. I know the problem with this next series is is. There's like uh, the, the backside of it, it'll be another cliffhanger. There's really no way to cut out the back half of this season. It kind of all runs into each other. So, I mean, we can stop at 16. It'll kind of leave us on a cliffhanger there. But uh, Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Good. that's the best way to cut it. We'll go, you know, 9 to 16, and then we'll finish off the last couple there um, the following week, which will be, you know, 17 to 22. So, um, good. Good. But yeah, guys. Uh, definitely good schedule, and like I said, appreciate everybody uh, coming uh, to the stream today. Definitely checking in with us, and uh, obviously everybody who's in their car at some point listening to this. We appreciate, you know, obviously you guys having those dialogues on your way home or, or discussions in the car because it's what keeps us going, and this what keeps definitely all our platforms. Which um, I'm sure you've heard our some of our infomercials about that we want you guys to also subscribe and listen to, as there's so many other ways to um you know get our content, but. Uh, once again, guys, I definitely appreciate everybody uh, coming and uh, watching these uh, series one through eight with us. And we'll be back this week again for nine through 16, uh, part two of season four. So with that being said, guys, um, this is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Nerdcyclopedia. All right, what's up, people? This is your man, DP, from Nerdcyclopedia. And today, I have my man, Marvin Wynn. 
Oh, we met him a few years back at Ner at um, Steel City Con. Yeah. You know, at the um at the convention. You know, uh, he was doing his project with um Heroesburg, Heroesburg, yeah. um, and he has this comic called The Edge. So he was promoting it, you know, at the at the convention and everything. We met and you know looked through the book and there's some really good stuff in there. Some really dynamic artwork, and um. So basically, we're talking today about you know the new release that just came out last month, March twenty fourth, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Um. So the edge is the, the premise is about um a serum that gives powers, and while using these powers, you can come closer and burn out and um die. You know, which is some uh, really unique concept. Um, kind of sort of reminds me of like Spawn in in a way, but um, this is as Spawn was wow, Spawn was actually came from hell with this. This is actually a serum that was put into people. Um, and I would imagine you would have like a lot of uh, superpower beings just like dying left and right as they use right. their powers. Right, right. Tell us so a little bit about it. Right. So what's happening is that uh, the character Revenant is the only one that's aware of this at the edge. Um, he was dosed with it um, personally, so they actually dosed him with it. Other people have been dosed uh, unbeknownst to them, so this could have happened. Um, flu shots um, and, and 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 it, it's it, and I want to just jump back a little bit. So it's a little weird that now we're in this um, COVID thing and people are getting yeah. these shots, and now yeah. I'm bringing this oh. up again. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's either going to give you anxiety or give you some sort of hope, you know, right. in a way, right? You know? <laughs> so um, a lot of all of them have been dosed, um, mm -hmm. unbeknownst to them. Um, but Revenant, and there are a few select others. Um, and we're going to get into this in later stories where they're they have they're at the end of the life cycle of the edge and they're burnt they're burning out. The oh, wow. powers are out of control. Um, mm -hmm. They're being kept away from the public, but you can't you can't hide this thing forever. And eventually, the public's going to find out about it, and then it's going to be how is the public going to deal with these people with these abilities? Mm -hmm. But as you see in issue one, we've got a zealot uh, who's already aware and is going to try to eliminate them one at a time if he can. Oh wow, that's an awesome concept. Um, so what what how did how did you come up with the concept? Like how long have you been because I, I I know this is the this is the first issue that's being published with um or going through Diamond that was last yes. month, right? Correct. But yes. you've been on this for a while now. Yes. So tell us how so tell me how you um you you got started with Ed. Where did you get the idea from? So I think the idea came from I mean, just listening to people talk and like going over um conspiracy theories and things like that, like things like the Tuskegee experiments and, ah, yeah. and things from, from the past where yeah. where we're using the your public as guinea pigs for experiments. So it 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 can it comes down to a lot of the just like I said that the the population control and how you're going to try to stymie that and try to control how people are, are guiding their lives. And then you get to the point where you're giving them something that you don't even know what it's going to do. You have no idea what what the implications of the of this thing is, and and that's how we pretty much drive the story is that these people have no control over these powers. Um, even even the lead character Revenant, he's his powers are fluctuate just like everyone else's, where they could be in a fight and their powers just turn off on them. Or mm -hmm. uh, one of our characters, Randa, she has to continuously absorb new energy or her powers will just shut down completely and she doesn't even know if she can get them back if she doesn't keep charging herself so it's a lot of 
a lot of myth, a lot of legend, a lot of conspiracy, a lot of stuff like that that's, that's being thrown into this book. And we're just mashing it all together and throwing it into the blender and see what's coming out. I tell you, I mean, with the whole Tuskegee experiment and everything that happened back in from like the um the the teens all the way up yeah. to like, you know, 72 and everything. I mean, you're really touching on some really deep stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's some um um some stuff that was touched on in like Marvel Comics with like the um I don't know if you're watching like uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Red White Truth. Just read that after you know reading and after watching that show and everything. I mean, it's a must read. You know, if you want to go out and read that. But you're touching on some really deep conspiracy, you know, type stuff, and it's definitely relevant today because yes. of the 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 media. Um, you know, when, you know, when media attention, you know, happens and everything, you know, sometimes you can't trust what's, what the media is actually telling you. Right. So tell me how has the response been from like your readers, you know, when relating that type of, you know, concept and everything. I mean, the, the mistrust. Right. The feedback has been pretty, pretty good for, for issue one. I mean, um, and it's the first time that I'm sharing this and that mm -hmm. we've, we've run through uh, the first print run of issue one. So now we're going to reprint. I mean, second prints on issue, on issue Ooh, one. Okay, that's awesome. Just just as issue two is coming out. So I mean, we've got yeah. we, there's a lot of things in motion here, and people have been, have been like all the reviews and things have been very excellent with the book. They're really liking the the universe that's being built, mm -hmm. and how we're going to start digging backwards into a lot of these stories. And one of the things that I I like to, I do with the book is I don't do origins until it's important to the story. Okay. So we're not going to dig into that all the way until it, until it comes up in the story. Because the one thing that what usually happens with an origin is it mm -hmm. like stops the story in its tracks. Mm -hmm. It's like you're telling the story, and all of a sudden, we need to tell the origin of this character so people can can figure out where these things are, are happening, where they're coming from. And mm -hmm. we don't want to do that because we don't want to stop the story. So mm -hmm. unless the story calls for it, mm -hmm. and we want we get into a little bit of an origin and it's at the beginning of issue two. Mm -hmm. And then we don't touch on uh, little things until like issues six with, with Mystic, where we, we start to dig into his past and his mm -hmm. and those swords and where they come from. And I think we, we, get, we get a little hint on one page in the panel, mm -hmm. a bunch of other people with the, with the, with the sword. And we, we show something and I, I hope people catch it. But I mean, we're going to we're going to really dig into it later. And then we're going to dig into Interim's um, past and how. She's opened all these, she's opening these portals that are open on both sides. Something else could come through. Oh, wow. Her portals are upsetting the, the, um, the time balance. So where she's from, it's 12 hours ahead of the rest of the world in time. Uh, so okay. you're walking along and all of a sudden it's daylight and, all, and now it's, da it's, it's dark because she hasn't closed these portals that she's been opening since she was six years old. Oh, wow. Uh, and she can't close them now. So you're just, we're just building, 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 building. And we don't want to dig into the backstory until it's really important to what's happening in that in that one issue as we goes forward. So no lost flashbacks. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, but it, it has to lead to something. So we'll okay. we, we'll flash back to something, mm -hmm. but then it'll be picking up. So you'll you'll see an issue two. We do it in issue two where we're digging into uh, the character Bolt's past. And we automatically flash it right into the, what's going on in the story and how his mental state is mm -hmm. about what's what happened to him in the past and now what's happening to him currently. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, I noticed that um that this is issue one that's that just came out, but yes. you've been publishing this for a while. So is this new material 
um, that that's been published, or is it reprinted material from what you what you've already had before? Issue one is brand new. So okay. we we had went back um, a while ago and redid issue one because we were planning to do a new trade paperback and we were going to include that in issue one. And then okay. COVID. Uh, so back in March last year, we were setting up to actually release issue ten mm-hmm. at New Dimension. We were going to do a release party. And I had this whole thing planned out. I mean, we were having food, which means people were coming. I had, had three hundred RSVPs, Ooh. and we were we were we were gamed up. I mean, we, okay. we, I mean, I was I was thinking this was going to be a, a blast, and, a, and this book was going to be a hit. Right. And then COVID happened, and yeah. I got uh, John uh, Angle from doing the Mitch contact me and says that we can't we can't do this release. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I understand, mm-hmm. and they still aren't doing like. A lot of in-store stuff yet and I, I think that now that we've moved to vaccines and 75 percent maybe that they'll pick up things in the store because they were they weren't even doing like um they could usually do uh games uh tabletop uh-huh. games in the store. Uh-huh. they haven't done that since last year oh wow so we were sitting there we've got an issue number 10 mm-hmm. and our whole entire release plan is it blew up so um then um what happened was um this the, this group, um, when Diamond uh, shut down, were, mm-hmm. were, weren't shooting out books. Marvel did. Pencils down. DC was doing something. Yeah. This group popped up on Facebook called Plant C. Okay. Where you had store owners just clamoring for books. Ah. So we were able to get up to, I think, issue five out to a few mm-hmm. stores. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I mean, it was it was working, but it was still wasn't enough because well, one thing that we were missing was reach. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I started talking with uh, Spike Jarrell from uh, Second Sight. He was telling me they were setting up a new publisher. They were going mm-hmm. to go through Diamond. And I was like, all right, let's do this. Let's just, just go this path and, and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been it's been good. So open up that door with Diamond, open up our reach around the world. So like we've got books in the United States. We've got books in Sweden. We've got books in London and Australia and Africa. So it's been a big boom for us um, just being in Diamond to get that reach that we weren't able to get on our own. So you were self-publishing this. Uh, were you self-publishing the first time and then you got on with Second Sight? Yes. Um, OK. OK. All right. So that was yeah. the um, concept there. That's awesome. Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it was just it was just Circle to Wagons a situation where, I mean, mm-hmm. we we were aware of the dynamics of what, what was happening in the world and mm-hmm. not being able to reach those stores. Mm-hmm. So I would say that um, when the, on the first run, I did maybe 500 stores I contacted. Okay. Um, a bunch of them got good, good feedback saying that, oh yeah, we're, we're interested. Send us a, an invoice. Uh, we'll pick up the book. So that worked well. A lot of stores were like, oh, um, I see you're not in diamond. Once you're in diamond, contact us back and, mm-hmm. and we'll, 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 um, we'll get the book. Right. And a lot of them didn't respond because I did say, so when I sent out the next email, once we were in diamond, our contact ratio went up 60%. Okay. So we went from like a hundred stores up into like 800 stores. Okay. And then this next one with issue two, I've got a list of stores I'm contacting. So I'm contacting every store that speaks English and some that don't speak English. So okay. they, they've got a website and there's some English on that website. I'm contacting the store. Right. So it's 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 different now in being in Diamond because a lot of the feedback I gotten from people was that, oh yeah, I wouldn't have even noticed the book was there if you wouldn't have emailed me. Okay. And a lot of stores said, yeah, this looks really good. We're, we're getting this because our, and then other stores was like, people already contact us about this. So you're good. 
So okay. it's 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 been a whirlwind of of communicating with these stores by phone, by email, by however <laughs> Pony Express, whatever whatever I had to use okay. to get to these stores is, is what I was doing. So even though that you're on with second sighting, which second sight, which is a you know really good you know for the distribution model, sounds like you're really doing still a lot of the work as far as like getting the book out there and getting it um you know known and everything versus mm-hmm. just just being the creator and and the writer um as far as like you know the project and everything. How do you feel that duty split that splitting those duties between creating your product and also you know working right. So um, this question comes up a lot, and I and I think that it's why a lot of people don't get past issue one is that I can create a book, mm-hmm. but promoting it is where where the sticking point is, and it's something that a lot of people misstep. Mm-hmm. So what I say is that I have to wear multiple hats. So I've got to wear the creator hat, I got to wear the promoter hat, I got to wear I got to wear the um, communication hat. Mm-hmm. So even though Second Sight helps with that i'm used to doing doing these things already because i was doing it before where you have to do your legwork you have to you have to hustle with this stuff because you're pretty much listed in a telephone book and you're charging someone to find a a lega krasnowski in the phone book Mm -hmm. continuously every month Mm -hmm. and it's something that someone is going to miss they're not going to know they're going to be confused and like uh, well, it's an issue one, we'll give them a chance, but it's that second issue mm-hmm. that drives home the point because you can communicate to someone that you've got a brand new number one. Number one is sold by the cover. Right. It's sold by, and then number two is sold by the interior art, the story that, that people want to continue with. And that's uh-huh. why we're, we're going to push forward on issue two, three, four, and as far as we can go to make sure that if we're contacting 1,500 stores, can we get to 2,000? Are there mm-hmm. 3,000 stores that can we come in? contact i mean that a lot of stores fell during COVID, but there's new stores popping up now because i mean it's 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 a it's a it's a fun hobby for people to have but being able to push these books into these stores when you don't have marvel or dc logo on your cover right where you figure that somebody's going to order 20 copies of a batman or 30 copies of batman right and will they give a chance on the on a new indie book sometimes yes sometimes no um, so you have to do your due diligence to make sure that you that they know that, that book exists and that you're willing to hustle for it to get it out there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So your scheduled um, next schedule is in July. Why is why why is it so long between um, between <laughs> months as far as like publishing? That that was that was on me. So when I signed up with Second Sight, they asked when we wanted to release uh, the books, and I mm-hmm. made the mistake of saying quarterly. <laughs> I told the, I told the uh, Bradley's the CEO of the company. I told him next time I say something dumb, just call me out. Cause that was, <laughs> so after um, issue two, we're going bi-monthly. So there okay. won't be like, so it should be September for issue three and then uh, November for issue four. And then we're also possibly planning something that's going to be where it's going to be uh, twice a month. You go to book twice a month. Well, that actually goes into my next question about the whole creative process, because, um, I mean, I thought that you would have needed time to create and make the book and actually publish it in July. So with you potentially going bi-monthly, it sounds like you have a lot of um, material just ready and waiting to go. Yes. We we are right now in finishing up and I want to get it done this weekend. Issue 15 is where we're at. 
Ooh, okay. Wow. So with issue 15, we, we're doing we got a lot of stuff in the can. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like you said that before, we've been we've been in, in motion on this since 2012. So yeah. mm-hmm. we got we got a lot of books built up, uh, a okay. lot of a lot of a lot of things in the fire on that. And the, the one of the good things is that this also gives us an opportunity to go back and make little slight tweaks to to the book. Um uh-huh. if we want to like um little coloring changes if we want to mm-hmm. uh add a page here or there or mm-hmm change up the lettering or add some sound effects, things like that, that mm-hmm. people may pick up on in earlier issues and say, oh, I wish they would have done this. And then we can say, okay, we'll do that. Okay. So what we're, where we're at now is that issue 15, mm-hmm. and we're also doing two one shots. There's okay. a one, we want to do a one shot between each story arc mm-hmm. that expands on something that we wanted to touch on. Mm-hmm. But like in issue, between issue four and five, we're going to do a story called Adrenaline Rush. This mm-hmm. actually takes pay- place in Pittsburgh. Okay. So um, it's going to be where someone's got a vial of the edge. Then they're, they're selling on the black market and it's attracting all these people into the city to try to get it. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're, they don't want to pay for it. So it's, it's going to be a, a rush. Like, a, like that's why I call it adrenaline, adrenaline rush to get at this thing okay. before it falls into the wrong hands or possibly falls into the right hands. We don't know. Oh, wow. So um, and then we're going one between issues nine and ten called Angel Wings, where mm-hmm. this is going to touch on a, um, a former uh, army rescue uh, general mm-hmm. who finds out there are WMDs in Dubai. But the WMDs are people who are, who have the edge and they're in the last the last rows of it. So he's going to find or recruit his former paramilitary rescue team. Mm-hmm. who are all wounded soldiers that have cybernetic parts that are owned mm-hmm. by the government. Mm-hmm. So first, before they even go on a mission, they got to get, they got to get that leash off of them. Mm-hmm. So while they're descending on Dubai, someone forms a strike team to go after them, which is going to feature uh, characters from the edge and other books that are going to come together to help or stop them from what they're trying to do. Okay. Awesome. 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 Hey, you sound like you got a, um, so a, a lot of stuff in there. So um, what's your biggest influence um, on, on your work? Uh, I would I'd say that, I mean, looking back, um, our biggest influence probably came from the formation of image and mm-hmm. how those guys took a, took a chance really on their names to form this studio. And a lot of the stuff they were doing then was a lot of that interconnected, long goal um the, the the path of going forward with a story and saying that you might have to go back and look at something that we did before because we're going to we're going to talk about it later it's very similar to the the way that um the mcu works okay you're you're picking up on something that happened in civil war or in age of ultron in wandavision or mm-hmm. in uh, falcon and winter soldier you're mm-hmm. like oh man that makes that story even better because now you've you've connected those dots and you're like oh man i didn't i didn't realize that that's what, that's what was going <laughs> on there this is so good right right and you and you, and you want to try to bring that that kind of flavor into a comic where there isn't a lot of that going on now especially in your in your big two because they're too they're, they're on a lot of reboots right. so it's like okay we go 25 issues and now we need a new number one and then you go another 25 issues and you say oh we want to go back to legacy numbering so now it's issue 60 instead of issue one again right and it's not it's not really you don't you don't feel that connective tissue because everything's right. building up to um like a mega a mega event every every other every other month there's a mega event 
right. which resets the whole entire thing again. And that's the one thing we're not going to do. We're not we're not looking to reset the universe. We're looking to pack on things onto the universe as we go along and say that, hey, go back to that other issue when I put those symbols or something in that in that on that page. And now mm-hmm. we're talking about it now. Mm-hmm. You're saying that. Wow, I didn't I didn't realize that. So now you got you got a yep. whole entire run of books mm-hmm. that are just building and building and escalating to something. They're picking up on those Easter eggs and they're just adding them. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's pretty decent. Um, all right. So what do you I, so what do you think the hardest thing it is about doing things yourself? So you're you're you know self-published and now you're mm-hmm. on with you know um um second sight. What's the hardest thing? about the whole process from creating to, you know, promoting and, you know, selling obviously is what you're doing. What's the hardest thing um, that you think that you do? Time. Because even though that you're publishing this book, you still, I'm still working a full-time job. So it's, yeah. So it's, it's, it's the balance of time when you say that I need time to create I need time on a Saturday or a Sunday to sit down and work on this and mm-hmm. then trying to decompress from the whole entire week of working the full-time job. So it's, it's that juggle where you're saying that, okay, it's six o'clock on a Monday. I need an hour to sit down and, and write the script or send an email to the artist and say that, well, this is what's happening next or get new art to the colorist or the letterer or communicating with the publisher saying that, okay, here's my list for our next diamond, or here's, here's the books I need for this con. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's the daunting task of you only have 24 hours in a day and I have to sleep. That's uh, you can preach to the choir right there and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, before we start wrapping up here, let's briefly go over um, like your team here. So, um, so let's just just talk about your team. So you yeah. got a sounds like you got a really great artist. Got some really nice covers. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that, and tell us the process as far as like putting your team together. If you know okay. for these books. So uh, the artist we we formerly called him Mark V because nobody wanted to pronounce his last name. But <laughs> um, when the, when the first issue came out, it's it he did he had done some books in the past, and having him as Mark V is what's kind of messing up his, um, his links. So when you click on his name, you don't get all to see all the other things he's done. So we, we start, we, we're calling him Mark Louis and I'm going to pronounce, I'm going to try. It's Vukunjiat. So he's from the Philippines and I met him back, I think it was 2011 on those, the former digital web informing forms, okay. which I think are gone now. Um, so we connected right away and I messaged him and said, Hey, are you interested in working on the comic? And he says, oh, yeah, send me the script. So I send him the script and he fell in love with the script. Mm. And this has just been since uh, 2011, 2012, we've just been been, been racking it up. Um, it, it comes situations where um, in that time, I think we I think I've had to ask him to change one thing on the book. And that was Blaine's hair. I hated I hated the long hair on Blaine. We had to change it in issue one right away. OK. And when he came back with the anime little uh poke thing i'm like uh-huh. that's amazing i just love it and then <laughs> the funny thing about it is we're, we're actually going to go into how he keeps his hair like that and then it's, he doesn't use any hair gel we're going to, we're going to explain why his hair is always like that because some people ask like why is his hair like that like we'll explain it because it's, it's just something we just wanted like as a, like a little easter egg and something fun in the book to say that yeah this guy's uh-huh. hair is like this because of this okay um so our colorist um um Luis, and then our other colors, Stephen uh, Lefesky. Uh, I met Luis 
on I think uh, DeviantArt. Okay. He does. Um, he does. He usually works for IDW. He does Ghostbusters, Transformers, and a few other books. Ah, okay. And, and Stephen, I think I met him on Facebook. Okay. And then uh, James Reed has been our been a letterer forever for the Edge, and I met him also on Digital Webbing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, those colors do pop, and a lot of the yeah. um the artwork just reminds me of like animation. It's it's, yes. so, it's like you know when you're looking at it, it looks like it's like it could be an animation form and everything. So, I mean, you know, in, in the future, you got some potential cartoon <laughs> or, or animated series, you yeah. know, you know, in your, in your future right there. So I can totally see that. Right. So that's, that's some pretty decent, um, you know, visuals and stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you, you got a, looks like you got a really good team together. Um, definitely, you know, your influences are there with like Wildcats, you said, and like the yes. X-Men and everything, mm-hmm. you know, as far as that, um, so what's one piece of advice would you give to someone trying to create their first graphic novel or, you know, comic book coming into this game at this point, especially during and post you know, pandemic? Right. So the, the first thing I'll say is that when I originally started working on this book was back in the 90s and it was terrible. I just say that. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm uh, very honest about my inability to write a, a decent story back back then. Um, I mean, when you when something is influencing you, you don't want it to take over over you where you're kind of writing Wildcats, you're writing Stormwatch, you're writing X-Men. And I had to pull away for a while. And I took like marketing classes. I took um, creative writing classes to really remold myself into being that that creator that I want to be. And the advice I give to somebody is don't give up after you fail the first time because you're going to. Like there, there isn't anyone who the first thing they ever created or did was right. It's like, it's a, it's, it's a muscle. It's a memory. It's a reflex. Like when you first, like with a video game, when you first pop that game in, you're going to be terrible at it. I mean, there's like, <laughs> yep, like a street fighter, right, right, like yeah. I'm playing street fighter. I'm getting my butt kicked, uh-huh. but I just think that like in two or three weeks, I'm going to be good at this because I'm going to try <laughs> and I'm going to keep practicing and I'm going to keep making that goal. When you walk into that arcade, and you sit down at the game, you're not going to be the best in the world as soon as you sit down. And right. do that. So my advice is to always stay the course. And it's always about you get knocked down. And how many times you get knocked down is how many times you get up. You keep getting up, you keep getting up, you keep trying and you keep blending that stuff. Then you keep learning. You have to learn. You can't just sit in a, in a vacuum and, and not teach yourself or find out how other people are doing these things. Ask questions. You have to learn. That's a, every, everything is learning. There's, there's no one who knows anything up front. So how have you been, um, now that these conventions, or, you know, as an add-on, now that these conventions have been, you know, done and everything for, for mm-hmm. so long, what has been kept keeping you motivated, you know, throughout this pandemic process? Uh, I would I'd say, say that process, other, but, you know, craziness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say other creators, like you, you pop on Facebook and you see all these guys just, just grinding through it and, and making and getting their book out there and, and they're doing in-store stuff. So we've done some stuff in store. Um, I mean, it's, it hasn't been huge, but I'm hoping that once this, uh, this stuff is over with and we're, at, we're back at 75% capacity in Pittsburgh, we can start getting people into these stores and do signings and do and like parties and giveaways and things like that. So just, I just go on Facebook and Twitter and I get motivated by other people just grinding it out. Awesome. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, Marvin Wynn. Thank you, sir. Thanks for coming on to our NCFS show. 
And, um, you know, maybe we could get you on like some of our, um, you know, podcasts talking about like the different TV shows and stuff. We're talking about like Falcon and the Winter Soldier right now. We got our Star Wars stuff coming up. You know, I mean, would you mind guest starring with us? Oh, I love it. Love it. Awesome. 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 So um, we shall see you when we see you. This is the way, guys. Good night.